0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning. So if any other adults want to go and get a a reading, you know, like an activity booklet too, because. Hey, let me read a short passage together. John chapter 19, verse 28. Later knowing that everything was now about to be finished. And so the scriptures would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar that was was there was soaked in a sponge and put on the stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted to Jesus' lips. When he received a drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let's pray this morning. You and the Father, we thank you. God, words don't do justice. A simple thank you will never be enough. But God, all we can offer you today is a simple thank you. From the depths of our heart, thank you, Jesus, that you hung on a cross, that you gave your life. You said it is finished, not because you were defeated, but because a victory was about to happen. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you for the price that you paid, the sacrifice that you gave. And Jesus, we thank you that this morning we've not come to hear from a person, but we've come to experience the living, risen God. God, thank you this morning that that we've postured ourselves to worship. We're ready to hear and receive from you again. God, I pray that you might break into our lives in a whole fresh new way this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the price that you gave. The sacrifice that you made for us. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen, amen. Amen. In July this year, it'll be Shardy's and my 19th year wedding anniversary. Now, I know I was a child, bride; I don't look like. 19 years married. You know, 19 years ago, we were just brand newly wedded couple and Shardy was just realizing how lucky and blessed she was to be married to me. We were one year into marriage, and it was a great time, but also it was a hard year because there's a lot of adjustments to make. I mean, you know, I was slowly learning that jocks and socks don't go on the ground, but there's this mysterious basket that sits in our bedroom, and, it, and, it, and it's the laundry basket, and I, and I discovered over a long period of time that jocks and socks don't go there, they go there. 19 years of married together. And I remember in that first year of married life, we went out shopping and we got home one afternoon. And as we arrived home, the house wasn't quiet as it once was. As we pulled up the driveway, I noticed that the front door was slightly ajar. And I went, I looked at Shadi and said, did you leave the front door open? She She said no. And she said, did you? And I said, no, pretty sure not. And so we looked at each other. And now who's ever seen the SWAT TV show? Like the new one. All right. It's four of us that are awesome. And uh, who's old enough to remember the old SWAT TV show? Yeah, you just added yourself. That's no, fine. And, so, and I've seen SWAT TV shows and many other shows like this, and I know what I'm supposed to do at that moment, which is get out my gun, kick in the door, and say, FREEZE! But I had no gun, and the door was already open. So I said, oh, I won't do that. So I called the cops, and then I went and peered in the windows. I don't know if you're supposed to do that. Is that what I'm... No, okay. We're not supposed to do it, just clarify with the copper in our church. So, no, that's not what... So, anyway, I peered in the windows of the house to discover no one was there. And so, I discreetly crept into my house to make sure that no one was really, really there. And so, I, I, I began looking through the house and discovered that people had been through our house and had kind of gone into jewelry, Shardy's jewelry's box. And we were one year married, and so there was not much in that box. And uh, there was a lot less in it by the end of that expert. And then I kind of went through the house and I discovered that they'd stolen my power tools. Now there's one thing to steal Shadi's jewellery, but there's another thing to steal my power tools. And then I discovered that it must have been a a hot day and it must have been a hard day. Because some point through the robbery of our house, one of the guys went, oh, I'm assuming it was a guy, went and got an orange juice out of our fridge and went and sat down on my couch, had a drink of orange juice, and started to watch TV. Partway through watching TV, he went, hey, this is a good picture. So I'll put the orange juice down and take the TV. So now they've stolen my power tools and my TV. And so at that moment, I wasn't particularly happy about what would happen. Now, have you ever, have you ever had your house robbed? Have you ever been broken into? You know that, that moment of feeling violated? You know that moment where you, where you just discover that someone uninvited has come into your house and they've rummaged through and they've gone through your house? I remember the moments and the nights later of lying in bed, feeling violated that our privacy had been interrupted. In in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, it says this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. See, that first Easter, the devil came to steal. And, And on Good Friday... A party broke out in hell because he thought, and all of the hell thought that they had won. They, they, they thought that, you know what, when it says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, they knew that they had won at that moment. And that the devil has come to steal our joy. He's come to steal our hope. He's come to steal our futures. And he came to steal our relationship with Jesus. And he's used sin to do it since then. See, Jesus Jesus tried to conquer hell, to pay the price for our sin. But on that first Good Friday, he seemed to have lost. You see, we live in a world where, where sin is not a popular topic. We live in a world in 2020 where sin is not a word that we regularly use. It's, it's kind of frowned upon. It's just not the thing that is ever discussed. But what is sin? Well, in Romans chapter 3.23, it says this, For we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short. Another translation says that we've missed the mark. We've, we've, we've missed the mark that God had set out for us. In other words, we've all done wrong things. You know the wrong things that we know we shouldn't do, but we somehow find ourselves doing them anyway? You know, and it's these sins that separate us from God. It's the stealing, it's the lustful thoughts, it's the, the gossiping and the murder and the adultery. All of these things get in the way of our relationship with God. But is sin real? See, I mean, all we have to do is we've just got to turn on the TV. You know, we get flicked to the news and we see everything that's happening in the Ukraine. You know, we, we open our, our Instagram or Facebook pages and we see page after page of the news channels of the stories of the things that are happening around our world. And we all know that something's broken, don't we? I mean, we all know as we see and we hear what's happening around the world. We all know that something is wrong. We all know that there is sin, whether we like to call it that or not. I mean, if you're ever doubtful, all you have to do is realize six words. Shopping center car parks at Christmas. Yeah, and we all know that all hell breaks loose in a caravan, in a shopping center car park at Christmas. You see, sin wasn't God's idea. See, sin wasn't God's original plan. See, sin came into the world because God gave us something and it was called free will. You know, kids, he didn't design us like, who, who's ever seen Star Wars? Kids, seen Star Wars? Who knows what the, the big uh, gold-colored robots call? It starts with, there we go, there was, there was someone that said it, there we go, come on. C-3PO, God didn't create us like C-3PO. Robots who simply say, yes, God, no, God. But he gave us this thing called free will. And we chose to go against God's perfect plan. And now sin was invading us. And sin has become an intruder. It's come a thief. It's come to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. But this morning, what I want us to do is just rewind 2,000 years at and, and a, and a place called Golgotha, just outside of Jerusalem. And there stood three crosses just like this. And on this enormous big hill was a crowd of people witnessing three crosses and three men being crucified on them. See, that first Good Friday, imagine what it must have been like I mean King Jesus, he was, he was the one where all of these crowd of people would, who, would put their hope and their trust and their faith, they kind of they're, kinda, they're going, you know what, we think that we, we think he is who he said he is. He is, maybe he is the Messiah, and yet now he hangs on a cross. Not with a a crown of gold around his head, but a crown of thorns. On his head. With above the cross hung a sign, Jesus, King of the Jews. This was no way to treat a king, was it? The Roman soldiers sat around the base of the crosses and they gambled over Jesus' clothes, the little of his belongings that he had. And they would look up and they would spit on him. And they would, they would mock Him. And the disciples, Jesus' own family, the onlookers, they stood and they looked up at Jesus. They looked up as He heard those words, It is finished. They looked up to see Jesus' body hanging limp and lifeless. The King Jesus hung dead on the cross. And in that moment, hope had been stolen. And the disciples walked away. See, the disciples had walked away from their jobs and their families and their careers. And they'd put all, they've hedged all of their lives, everything on Jesus. And they thought He really could be. Maybe He was the Messiah. They knew there was something different about Him. And they said, we think he really is who he said he is, but now he's dead. They're king, their savior. And now what do they do? All their hopes have been stolen. The light has gone out. It's been repla- replaced with darkness. Can you feel the gravity? Can you feel the loss? Can you feel the depths of despair that these disciples and this crowd must have been witnessing and experiencing as they saw Jesus hanging on the cross. Imagine the moments after Jesus' death. Imagine those moments. Imagine what it must have been like. I mean, this is where all your hopes had been pinned, on Jesus. But now he's dead. What do you do? The devastated... King Jesus, their hope, they've both been stolen. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the story doesn't end there? Aren't you glad that the story doesn't end on Friday? Aren't you glad that the story doesn't end with Jesus hanging on a cross? Aren't you glad that it doesn't end with him dead, hanging there with no hope? Aren't you glad that at that moment when they, when they saw everything had been stolen from them, that that wasn't the end of the story? Because this is what is recorded at the end of Luke's gospel. He says these words. And on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they'd prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they had entered, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed in gleaming light, like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while you were still with him in Galilee the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered the words. See, for God, Easter was never an afterthought. See, it was always the main point. It was always the grand final. It was the moment. It was the whole purpose why Jesus came to the whole world. It was and will always be his number one plan. But with every good plan, there is always a great price to be paid. So three days ago, we remembered Good Friday. But today, we remember Resurrection Sunday. I was thinking about it during the week, going, you know what, I find it ironic that the day that we call, the day that we call Good Friday is the day when Jesus died. Has anyone ever thought that it's a really ironic, weird, strange name for that day? You know, like, and I was thinking about it during the week, going, God, it's really ironic that the day we remember our Savior, King Jesus' death is a day that we call good. So I looked up the word ironic, and the word ironic in the dictionary is defined like this. Happening in a way contrary to what is expected. Doesn't that perfectly sum up Easter? It happened in a way contrary to what was expected. See, the irony was that there was one group of people that thought that Jesus the Messiah had been stolen and crucified and was now dead. But Easter Sunday tells us that God had a very different idea for the story. See, Jesus was temporarily dead for three days. The devil thought that he had won. He thought that it was over. But God has a very different idea of what over is. See, this is the story of Easter. That Jesus took humanity's greatest curse, our sin. And he defeated, it, he defeated it and dearth once and for all so that sin wouldn't be our final. It wouldn't be our end. That we wouldn't have to be crucified on a wooden cross. And he went through it all and he did it for you. Two weeks ago, it was Charlie's birthday. You can sing Happy Birthday afterwards. And I'll get in trouble for saying that. Two weeks ago, it was Shardy's birthday. And is anyone else here? You know, when when you've got a a spouse or a significant other person in your life, and when it comes to their birthday, you get really nervous. All right, anyone else here? Because you've got to get the present right, yeah? You know, it's it's not just about how much it costs, but it's about the effort and the thought and the everything else that goes into it. Now, I'm a guy, okay? So I need all the help I can get. And so Shardy drops hints. But what I need is not so much hints, I need accidental like text messages with a picture, where it's from, how much it is, when, where and how to buy it. Like is anyone any other guys? Okay, there's a few. <laughs> Michael Prevett put his hand up so fast. All right. And that night we took Shadi out for dinner to a restaurant that she liked. And see, we love as a family, we love our food, we love going out to restaurants, we love eating special meals. But sin is like going to a restaurant. You know, I mean, it's like going to a restaurant where there's amazing food and, and everything tastes and looks amazing. And there's like the French thing of ambiance, you know, like and if you say ambiance, it sounds better. You know, and there's, there's this atmosphere. The, you know those restaurants where you walk in and there's a really big plate and a really little meal. I've got teenagers, we don't go to those places. We go to the really big plates with a whole lot of food. Like, so, you know, and, and we, we, sin is like, that. You know, you go to this big amazing restaurant and it's all fantastic until the bill comes out. And it's like that with sin. Sin's fun and it tastes and it feels great until the bill comes out and the price has to be paid. See, someone had to pay the price for our sin and the price was set. And the price was ridiculously expensive, ridiculously high. The one innocent life in exchange for my and your sin and the things that we've done wrong. But see, if if sin is real and we all sin and the price has been set, then what do we do now? How do we get out of it? Well, simple. We just stop it, like let's just okay, church. Let's just stop sinning. We like, knock it off. We're gonna knock it off, and it'll all be fine, won't it? I mean, it seems easier said than done. But then lustful thoughts happen and selfish thoughts happen and we get jealous and we gossip and we're angry and we hate and we, we judge others and we, we start lying and then we, stop, we start stealing pens from work and we cheat on our taxes and all of these things and then we try harder and we work harder and we do more and we try and not do this stuff and I know that you're all way better than me but no matter how many times I try and do more and stop doing it, I fall off the wagon. And then I say a a prayer like this, and I know you've never said this prayer, God, I'll never do it again. There's laughter from over here. God, if you just forgive me, I'll never do that again. 10 minutes later, 10 days later, 10 weeks later, 10 seconds later, we come to church, and we come to Easter, all dressed up on the outside, but messed up on the inside, and so we try harder, we do more, we work harder, and we just can't win. And we, we try harder, but sin continues to beat us. It's kind of like Melbourne Storm versus the Broncos. They can just never win, Jamie. So how do we kick it? In Romans chapter 3, it says this. Since we've, completely, sorry, since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and prove that we are utterly incapable of living out the glorious glorious lives God wills for us, God did it. Out of sheer generosity, He put us in right standing with Himself, a pure gift. He got us out of our mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world in clear, in, to clear the world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided this course of action, full view of the public, to set the world in the clear with, with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus finally taking care of our sins, yet so patiently enduring. This is not only clear, but it is now. This is current history. God sets us right. Another translation puts it like this. Because of God's grace, we are saved. See, we've got to realize that that Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He started, He came to start a relationship with you and with me. And and it's not about, from that moment on, it's not about how hard we work or what we do, but it's it's that God loves us and He died on a cross and He rose again. Not because we are good enough, but because He is good enough. See, John 10.10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But it doesn't end there. This passage doesn't finish here. See, three days later, Mary and Martha came to the tomb and it was empty. Because Jesus was alive. And that verse doesn't end with the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's my message of today. It actually finishes with this. That I, Jesus, has come. That you may have life and life to the full. He's come. He died. He rose again. So that we could have life. And only then life to the full. So a few years ago, I was invited with a friend of mine to come and play golf. And, and so he invited me to come and play golf. And I was having a particularly bad day of golf playing. Like I spent more of my day of playing golf on other people's fairways or in long grass or trying to fish my, my golf balls out of the water traps than I did actually playing golf on my own fairway. And I remember I got to about hole 13. And I remember teed off and it was a great shot until about 50 meters in when it started to go like this. And I watched as my ball didn't just sail and kind of hook a little bit right, but like hooked right and then left the golf course complex. (laughs) Now, in full disclosure, at that moment, I may or may not have thrown my driver a long way. Okay, just I know none of you would ever do that. But I did. And I remember in that moment of sheer frustration, throwing my golf club and sitting there with my hands on my hip, just looking and watching this ball sail far, far, far away in someone's backyard down the street. And I remember my mate said, hey Dave, have a mulligan. And I wasn't sure what a mulligan was. And I said, Nod, what's a mulligan? And he said a mulligan is, is, is an unofficial golf rule. Like for the golf purists, and if you're a golf purist, I apologize. So if you're a golf purist, a mulligan is kind of like an unofficial rule. And it's, in simple terms, a mulligan is a do-over. It's where we get to take the shot again without having to pay the penalty stroke of having that shot forfeited. See, I don't know about you. But I find it easy that God can love you. I find it easy that God can forgive you. I find it easy that God offers acceptance and mercy and grace to you. But when I blow it, I struggle at times to believe that for me. But God loved you. And God loved. so much that he sent his one and only son to earth on the greatest rescue mission of all eternity to live a perfect life to die an atoning death in order to pay for the sins that I have and will commit and how do I know this is true well I know it's true because One day, a few years ago, I was playing golf and I was introduced to one word, and you may have heard the word, it's called a mulligan. But see, there's a catch with a mulligan. And the catch with a mulligan is this. Whoever pays the price for golf gets to decide who gets the mulligan. And that day, my friend Noddy paid the price for golf. So that day, he decided that Dave you definitely get to do a mulligan do-over on this hole, a free shot without having to pay the penalty. See, the one that pays the price gets to determine who gets the grace. The one who pays the price determines who gets the grace. See, everyone, everyone, make, make no mistakes this morning. King Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. He paid the ultimate price for me. He died on a cross, crucified and beaten, with a crown of thorns jammed into his head. Not because of his sins, because he was sinless, but he died for my sins, for your sins. But three days later, he rose again to beat death and sin once and for all. See, Jesus paid the price. And because of that, he he determines who gets forgiven. Forgiven from our pasts with the promise of eternity with him. See, King. Jesus paid the price and King Jesus determines who gets the grace. And as Jesus hung on the cross, he hung not because nails pierced his body but he hung because he had his arms outstretched in love towards us. And he offers forgive us of our past he offers the promise of eternity with him to everyone not because of how well we play golf but because he paid the price and he determines who gets the grace we hope you've been blessed by this message If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.